waste no time on anger, regret, resentment. Just do it. Just get the job done. That was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Justice Ginsburg, who died on September the 18th, was famously focused on moving ahead, ignoring petty arguments, getting the job done. And the job, as she saw it, was to help bring about equality for all Americans. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been described as a feminist icon, as the notorious RBG, as a groundbreaker. What other Supreme Court justice has been immortalized on dolls, mugs, t-shirts, and even a Saturday Night Live parody? But Justice Ginsburg was much more than a pop culture meme. She was one of this country's most influential voices in the fight for equality. As Kenneth Starr wrote in the Wall Street Journal, her legacy is enduring and deep, but it can be summed up in two closely related concepts, equality for all persons, vindicated under the rule of law. That meant equality for women, for men, for everyone. Given her profound impact on women's rights, the New York City Bar Association hosted an annual speech in her honor, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg Distinguished Lecture on Women and the Law. I had the privilege of giving that lecture in 2009. I consider it among the most important moments in my career. I was also fortunate to hear her present a tribute to Justice Sandra Day O'Connor at an event hosted in 2015 by Seneca Women. Justice Ginsburg was her typical self, witty, warm, eloquent, and insightful. Listen and learn why Ruth Bader Ginsburg is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear and why she will be so deeply missed. What a treat this afternoon has been. And I thank all the organizers for inviting me to speak on behalf of all of my colleagues in honor of the incomparable Sandra Day O'Connor, first woman ever appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States. During her 25 years on the court's bench and continuing thereafter, she has shown time and again that she is a true cowgirl, <laughs> resourceful, resilient, equipped to cope with whatever fortune brings her way. Collegiality is the key to the effective operation of a multi-member bench. Sandra Day O'Connor has done more to promote collegiality among the court's members and with our counterparts abroad than any other justice, past or present. As I said in the video we just watched, Justice Breyer wrote of that quality. Sandra has a special talent, perhaps a gene, 
for lighting up the room she enters, for restoring good humor in the presence of strong disagreement, for producing constructive results, for reminding those at odds today that tomorrow is another day. Of all the accolades Justice O'Connor has received, one strikes me as concisely on target, and that too was captured on the video. Growing up on the Lazy Bee Ranch in Arizona, she could brand cattle, drive a tractor, fire a rifle accurately, well before she reached her teens. One of the hands on the ranch recalled his clear memory of Sandra Day. She wasn't the rough and rugged type, he said, but she worked well with us in the canyons. She held her own. Justice O'Connor has done just that at every stage of her professional and family life. When she joined the court in 1981, she brought to the conference table experience others did not possess at all or to the same degree. <laughs> the experience of growing up female in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, of raising a family, of doing all manner of legal work, government service, private practice, successful candidacies for public office, leadership of Arizona Senate, state court judicial service, both trial and appellate. Quick and diligent learner that she is, she mastered the mysteries of federal law in short order and held her own from the very start. Her welcome when I became the junior justice is characteristic. The court has customs and habits not recorded in its official rules. <laughs> Justice O'Connor knew what it was like to learn the ropes on one's own. She told me what I needed to know when I came on board for the court's 1993 term, not in an intimidating dose, just enough to enable me to navigate safely my first days and weeks. At the end of the October 1993 sitting, I anxiously awaited my first opinion assignment, expecting in keeping with tradition that the brand new justice would be slated for an uncontroversial unanimous opinion. When Chief's assignment list came round, I was dismayed. The chief gave me an intricate, not at all easy, ERISA case <laughs> on which the court had divided six to three. ERISA, for those who don't know, is the acronym for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, candidate for the most inscrutable legislation <laughs> Congress ever passed. I saw Justice O'Connor's advice. It was simple. Just do it. 
she said. And if you can, circulate your draft opinion before he makes the next set of assignments. Otherwise, you will risk receiving another tedious case. That advice typifies Justice O'Connor's approach to all things. Waste no time on anger, regret, resentment. Just do it. Just get the job done. Justice O'Connor was a dissenter in that case. As I read the bench announcement summarizing the court's decision, she gave an attendant a note for me. It read, this is your first opinion for the court. It is a fine one. I look forward to many more. Remembering how good that note made me feel, I sent similar notes to Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan when they announced their first opinions for the court. As first woman on the Supreme Court, Justice O'Connor set a pace I could hardly match. To this day, my mail is filled with requests that run this way. Last year, or some years before, Justice O'Connor visited our campus or country, <laughs> spoke in our bar or civic association, did this or that. Next, words politely phrased to this effect. Now it's your turn. <laughs> My secretaries once imagined that Justice O'Connor had a secret twin sister <laughs> with whom she divided her appearances. The reality is she has an extraordinary ability to manage her time. Why has she gone to Des Moines, Belfast, Lithuania, Rwanda, when she might rather fly fish, ski, play tennis or golf? In her own words, for both men and women, the first step in getting power is to become visible to others and then to put on an impressive show. As women achieve power, the barriers will fall. As society sees what women can do, as women see what women can do, there will be more women out there doing things and we'll all be better off for it. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Of her journeys abroad, her former law clerk, Ruth McGregor, now retired Chief Justice of the Arizona Supreme Court, said, Justice O'Connor has worked tirelessly to encourage emerging nations to live under the rule of law by maintaining democratically elected legislatures and independent judiciaries. At the same time, she has strongly reminded us that this country could lose the rule of law if we do not act to protect our precious heritage. There was a time in 1988 when Justice O'Connor's energy flagged 
long months in which she coped with rigorous treatment for breast cancer. Though tired and in physical discomfort, she didn't miss a sitting day on the court that busy term. Once fully recovered, she spoke of that trying time. Her account, carried on public television, gave women battling cancer hope, the courage to continue to do as she did. And I was one of those women. She went back to the 8 a.m. exercise class she initiated at the court long before it was predicted she could. There wasn't a lot I could do, she said, but I did a little. I did what I could. What she could do became evident years later when the Olympic women's basketball team visited the court. Justice O'Connor led the team on a tour ending at the highest court in the land, the full basketball court on the building's top floor. The team practiced some minutes. Then one of the players passed the ball to Justice O'Connor. She missed the first shot, but the second went straight through the hoop. Each case on the court's docket attracted Justice O'Connor's best effort, and she was never shy about stating her views at conference or in follow-on discussions. When she wrote separately, concurring or in dissent, she stated her disagreement directly and professionally. She avoided castigating colleagues for an opinion that was Orwellian, profoundly misguided, not to be taken seriously, or a jurisprudential disaster, and I am making none of those up. In the 12 and a half years we served together, court watchers have seen that women speak in different voices and hold different views just as men do. Even so, some advocates each term revealed that they had not fully adjusted to the presence of two women on the high court bench. During oral argument, many a distinguished counsel, including a Harvard Law School professor and more than one solicitor general, <laughs> responded to a question I asked. Well, Justice O'Connor, <laughs> sometimes when that happens, Sandra would smile and crisply remind counsel, she's Justice Ginsburg, I'm Justice O'Connor. <laughs> Anticipating just such confusion, in 1993, my first term as a member of the court, the National Association of Women Judges had t-shirts made for us. Justice O'Connor's read, I'm Sandra, not Ruth. <laughs> Mine, I'm Ruth, not Sandra. As a retired justice, she has taken on an array of off-the-bench activities, prime among her current undertaking, as everyone in this room knows, is 
appropriation and promotion of www.icivics.org designed to educate grade school children about the three branches of government. Avidly as well, she has championed judicial independence, urging appointment rather than election of judges. She has regularly welcomed foreign jurists visiting the United States, and she has traveled long distances to meet with lawyers and judges abroad, many times at the request of the State Department. Some years ago, Justice O'Connor made a surprise appearance one night in the Shakespeare Theater's production of Henry V, playing the role that evening of Isabel, Queen of France, and looking regal. She spoke the famous line from the treaty scene, haply a woman's voice may do some good. <laughs> Indeed it may, as Justice O'Connor has constantly demonstrated in her quarter century service on the Supreme Court and in all of her endeavors. Tireless, gracious, inspiring. That is how we will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There is so much to learn from her life and her words. Here are just a few lessons. First, anger just isn't worth the effort. As she said, don't be distracted by emotions like anger, envy, resentment. These just zap energy and waste time. Second, women are powerful when they support each other. She never forgot how Sandra Day O'Connor helped her when RBG was a newcomer to the Supreme Court, and she paid it forward by encouraging the women justices who came after her. Finally, no matter your struggles, always make your best effort so at the end of your journey you can say with her, I did what I could. Tune in to the next episode of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Learn about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day.